Hola, soy Miguel Matos Gonzalez, returning once again to Firme, a personal podcast journey on being brown in uh, space. It's not predominantly brown, unlike San Anto. I mean, I walk out the door, I look just like everybody there. I sound like everybody there. I think like everybody there. But then I come here to Spokane, Washington, and at least And you know what? There aren't very many people like me around here. And I'm not just talking about you know the way I look being brown, but but even my my concept of a social norm, my pronunciation of words like bag. Tag. Yeah. Don't say bacon. Tag. <laughs> of course, that's over exaggerating. But uh, yeah, I, I think you get the idea. So, on this evolution of photography and illustration combined, uh, today is a, it's an exciting day. As you see, today. I have a lens that I recently received that is, how can I say, it's it's like almost having my old self back. It's kind of like when, you know, like for example, for you, you people around my age, okay, I'm just going to say it like that, you know, people in your 40s, whatever, you think back to your 20s and you're like, oh yeah, when I was... When I was a youngin' like you, you know, I could kick, and I could stretch, and I could kick. Whatever, but you get the idea. So anyway, when I was a youngin', I would photograph with a German camera system that I absolutely fell in love with. And that brand is called Leica. They, you know, are manufactured in, in German. Standards. They are certainly a very European company <laughs> coming from Solms, Germany. They, um, how can I say, they, they essentially invented the 35mm film format. I mean, we'll just we'll put it down as it is. They, they essentially they invented it. And um, it was invented by a, an engineer. Oscar Barnett, he you, he worked for Lights Optical, Lights Optical manufacture things like microscopes and other precision vision-related uh, optical devices, scopes, periscopes, binoculars. They they manufactured a lot of those precision optics, and um, he had a friend. It's like, hey, you know, I need to test this film for cinema. I need to, I need, I need to know if there's a way you can build a housing so that I can put a lens on it and, and photograph with this this movie film, this cinema film, that you know will allow me to to make some test exposures and just kind of see what I'm doing here, you know, and kind of get an idea of what film I want to use and blah, blah, blah. The guy went on explaining the, 
process. But essentially he asked for a housing for film that you could attach a lens to. So Oscar tinkered around with what he had available to him. And he manufactured essentially the first 35 millimeter camera. Serial number zero 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 one and uh, this guy I tell you he was a brilliant man you know he really was in the fact that he created a, a mechanical housing that was geared just brass on brass there was little to no lubrication in these gears because they were so precision made like the way you would make a watch and he had a cloth and it was the first time this word came up focal plane shutter that essentially was a miniature curtain under tension that when you pressed a button it would release that catch and the curtain open have a space that's available and free for light to pass through and that closing curtain would proceed it and every time you reset that curtain you'd have the exact same length of time that it would take to open and close and then you would have a method a knob I believe it was that film and move it over a space in order to get to the next potential frame. And he, you know, he explained it to that cinema friend of his, and it had a lens on it that he had he had created to work specifically for that housing. And his friend tested it and loved it, and he could adjust the amount of light coming in through that lens, the aperture, but that velocity, the shutter speed, was constant. So that that photographer was, you know, cinema artist, now photographer, went back to his, his mechanical and optical friend and said, hey, Oscar, 
concept and they created Quanon. Quanon camera named after, um, I believe, a deity? A god? A myth? I forgot exactly what it was. It'll come to me like in the next podcast. But yeah, Quanon was the name of the
that bump on the top, that prism. You know, the lenses were smaller, the cameras were smaller. They were made just the right size, just to hold a roll of film and put a lens on it. And a little bit taller to have a rangefinder to gauge your distance for focus, to confirm that. In, in some cases, in, in my Leica, I, I have an M4 from the, probably, I want to say the mid-late 50s. It, it, it has a rangefinder and it's accurate. It's bright and beautiful. I love it. But I very seldom use it because when I'm photographing, you know, I look at the lens itself. The lens has a whole series of information on there. It tells me my aperture so I can know how much light to let in to the film. But it also gives me a depth of field scale. And now depth of field
lines, and these lines would give you the, and I'm doing air quotes right now, and for those of you that don't like air quotes, I'm sorry, it would give you a frame for that focal length, so that you know exactly, well, not exactly, but approximately, what should be on your negative. So as you're looking through this, this, this viewfinder, you see everything. You see everything at, like, for example, a, a wide-angle perspective. But then you change that little roller with the, the change of your lens. And then those ghost frames can change anywhere between your, your wide-angle of 28, 35, and your standard 50. 75, 90, you know, 135, it, it changes to a set focal length because these rangefinder lenses, they're not zoom lenses. You don't have a 35 to 70 lens and then a 70 to 200 lens that you pop on and off and you've got two lenses in your kit. You know, each lens is its own set focal length. And it's been like that since the beginning. And people are like, Oh, boom! Why would you do that? Get a zoom lens, and it's like having three lenses in one. You know, or get your Tamron Super Zoom 28 to 200 millimeter 5.6. Yeah, then you just got one lens to carry. Boom. Well, no. When you have a lens like that, a zoom lens, it uses more glass, and more glass means the light has to go through it. <laughs> and the more glass you have, the more complicated it is for focus and, and magnification and amplitude of light. You just have more mess in there going on. And when you have a, a fixed focal lens, you have less glass, less moving parts. It's far more simple. And the quality is considerably different. And again, keep in mind, this was like, you know, the 30s, the 40s. It was a different time. This wasn't like it is today. Today's technology, in terms of modern digital SLRs, and even if you were to buy a modern, you know, lens, a modern 35mm lens within the past, let's just say that it was made within the past um, 10 years. past 10 years, you know, that output quality is going to be good. I mean, it's going to be nice. However, that formula that Leica created for their glass, it's just beautiful. The richness of the colors, the, the clarity, the way objects can look three-dimensional on a 2D photograph. It's just the way it pops. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's something that just you need to you need to experience. You need to see it in order to, to compare that with other lenses and just kind of what's going on. And the resolving power of their lens formula. That that's the, the money maker right there. Yeah, and to think that they had this formula since back in the day. That's it. Yeah. Optical quality. Well, certainly improved. There's, there's always, you know, room for improvement. But good gosh, the optical quality they had then 
to what manufacturers are making now. It's like, dude, you know, did you even, did you, did you, what, what are you doing here? But yeah, that's, that's just it. You've got, you've got some amazing quality and, and technology from that time. And it came from Germany and then spread to Japan. And now there are dogs barking at me. I'm sure you can probably hear them. If not, then well, forget I said that. So yeah, you know, it's really, really amazing to see the quality and to, to know the history of these cameras. But this lens, this 21 millimeter a spherical Elmerit M, has a long history in it. The other version I had before was the R series, as I mentioned, the, the rangefinder is the M series. Well, the R series, that was the single lens reflex. That is the camera with the interchangeable lenses that as you look through the camera's viewfinder, you're looking through the actual photographic lens itself. So what you see is exactly what you get in terms of perspective, composition, you know, all that framing, you, everything you see is exactly what you're getting. In terms of exposure, now that's a different story. Exposure is going to be whatever it's going to be. It's up to you. You still have to control that. And in the SLR world, you've got, you've got, you know, a lot of manufacturers that they started off as rangefinders that they ended up with SLRs like Canon, Nikon, Asahi. Well, Asahi, they became known as Pentax because that was the Asahi Pentax, Asahi Optical Company. And they made what was called the Pentax. And um, people just know, became to know it as Pentax. So that's what they called it, Pentax. Anyway, so you've got, you know, all these manufacturers Topcon, Cosina, you just, they've all started with their, you know, rangefinder heritage, and they went to the next phase, which was, was a single lens reflex, and because of this prism, that's the bump on the top, it's, the size of the camera has got bigger, the lenses have to get bigger, it uses the same film, works the same way. Yeah, for the most part, it's the same same uh, idea, same operation. They're just not as small. And there were other camera companies, Olympus, other Japanese company. In fact, if if the camera wasn't made by Leica, and if it wasn't made by Voigtlander, and it wasn't made by Zeiss, then it wasn't you know it wasn't German. It was Japanese with the exception of, of um, Zenith. Yeah, the Zorkis. Those were made in Russia. And um, everybody else, you know, Pentax, Topcon, Contax, all the rest, they're all Japanese manufacturers. And, you know, it's not to say one line of camera is better than the other you know, the best camera to have is the one in your hand, really. <laughs> the best camera to have is the one with film in it. The best one to have is one with an SD card with space. So, yeah, that's the best camera to have. 
and every photographer has their own preference of what they like and what they feel is you know better than others I mean they have their opinions of course everybody has opinions on everything of course but, but you know I, I enjoy my Leica camera when I first bought my 35 millimeter R5 I bought it with a 50 millimeter Summicron so it was a 2.0 aperture lens and and that that camera inspired a lot and then after that I added a a 30 a 135 millimeter so I had a telephoto and then I had a 50 I had my my mid-range flat field standard and then I bought a 21 millimeter super angulon f3.5 and that was it that's all I needed bought that and a flash very seldom use the flash it was an old potato masher photographers are nodding your heads I see it oh yeah yeah Vivitar 285 had a, a grip that would hold it off to the side you know potato masher style or as we said in San Anto a bean masher style <laughs> and you know and it was great and then as I, I progressed in photography and started to do more commercial work, I moved to the next stage in my photographic experience. And I purchased a Leica R8. Now this was a real game changer because the R8 had the ability to remove the film door in the back, that cover, and you could replace it with a digital back. That's right, children, you heard me. A digital back and camera that could use film. It could photograph digitally. It could store the images on the back, or you could wire it into a laptop or computer. And it used those high resolving quality, just beautiful, beautiful Leica lenses. And I shot the heck out of that camera. I remember I worked in Dallas for an ad agency and I rented one of those digital backs through a local camera store there and they're like, oh, no, I a lot of money to bring one in. And I said, you know what? I said, I'll, I'll give you my word. I'm, I'm going to rent it X number of days out of the year. That's your profit. You're going to pay it off, you know. Might as well just like, hold it. You know? We talked. We had a good business talk, a few beers, and they ended up getting that digital back for me. And like I said, I I rented it every other week for several years. And they gave me a heck of a rate. And I ended up with that back in my bag at some point. And uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. Best of both worlds. That's when digital was becoming more and more prominent commercially. And people that were, were, as I would say, like hobby photographers, people that really didn't make money with their images, they just photographed just for the pure enjoyment, you know, just recording family stuff, and, you know, hobby things, taking pictures of whatever stuff, you know, they enjoy the art form, they enjoy the process, and um, digital was starting to come about for them, but the quality was very, very low. But that's that's another talk. That's for another day. The evolution of the digital film world. That's
my Leica M4, I have my my 50 millimeter flat field, and I have my 21 millimeter Elmerit 2.8, and I have a 90 millimeter Summicron f2.0. Got all I need: three lenses and a and a camera body. That's right. And um, well, I take it back. I don't have my 50. I, I had that for a while, and then I sold that one, and I ended up with a 35 because I wanted just a little bit more of a wider view. So to me, 35 is like my normal lens, my standardized lens. So I have my my 21, my 35, and my 90. And what I did was I tried to, to double my focal length between lenses so that I I can see that change. I can understand that change. And working with those three lenses, in my mind, they see that perspective. They see that field of view. And it's just, in the mind, it's just something that becomes muscle memory for you. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's what I'm working with as a camera not too much talk on the art or the culture today but this is all part of my art this is part of my culture is I'm I'm a film photographer it's where my images start I've been a film photographer since I was a kid and I mean I, I do photograph digitally you know we'll talk about that another time but I do but there's just something about the beauty of film that that I'm I will always always have in my hand I love it and when it comes to, to cameras some photographers ask so what do you can't what camera do you shoot with you know and they, they're just curious you know I, I get it I ask that question other photographers have asked me that and I I love my Leica I really do and it's not because of you know the brand or or the coolness or whatever no I, I love the Leica camera because of their their statement, their mission. They created something from nothing. They created a revolution of a 35mm film format and a small camera movement because one guy said, hey, can you help me with something? And that one guy, his friend, his engineer friend, he could have said, Oh, but it will go away. I don't have time for this. But it's that curiosity of, you know, what if I try something? What if I try? Yeah. Let's let's see what kind let's let's take this idea and let's just kind of go with it. And so that's that's what he did. That's that's what that means to me of like a camera, is that you take an idea and you're like, you know, I don't know if it's been done before. I've never heard of it before, but you know, I'm going to try something. Which is exactly what I'm doing with LTNX Atticus. I don't know that it's been tried here in the Pacific Northwest, but I'm going to try something. And that's the same thing with my art. I'm going to try something. And um, that's that's why I photograph with a Leica. What it means to me, what it symbolizes to me. And Plus, it just it just feel good in your hand, and that's something you'll understand when you hold a Leica camera. The weight and just the texture, the way it feels in your hand, 
it's it's an experience in itself that I mean I'm in love with it. It's it, it means so much to me. It's it's an amazing camera. I can always count on it. And uh, yeah, it's something else, man. So with all that, I will let you continue on with your day. I will move on with my day. I've got my 21 millimeter on my M4. I see what I'm going to capture today and uh, work on the next the next piece here. So I'll just do it, you know, day at a time. So go ahead and subscribe on, on your podcast outlet there. You know, whether it's Spotify, Anchor, uh, SoundCloud, whatever you have. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, whatever you're working with, go ahead and and um, just go ahead and, and keep listening. I appreciate the, the voice messages. It's really inspiring. Some of the things you guys are telling me. And uh, yeah, so keep on, keep on keeping on. Andale. Bueno.